I'm ready. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Better Words. My name is Caitlin. I'm just a bookish babe. And I'm Michelle and I'm from the Unfinished Bookshelf. Okay, Michelle, are you ready for story time with Caitlin? Yes, I am, but I will warn you I'm probably going to sneeze. <laughs> I okay. just have that feeling in my nose. Yeah, Ugh. I know. I know exactly what you mean. Okay, so it's a Tuesday afternoon. I've just finished work. I have to go home to get books for you. I got home. I thought, okay, yep, grab those books, grab my wallet and phone and keys out of my handbag. I get halfway out the door and I'm like, oh no, I need to grab that special package we got in the mail out. Oh. <laughs> so I grab that, I put everything back in my bag, I leave, I drive not to the fuel station closest to me, mm -hmm. to one that's sort of between our houses, mm -hmm. still pretty close to me, but you know, I fuel up my car full. I was like on empty. We're talking $40 worth of fuel because I have a small car. I was going to say that's tiny. Yeah, I have a small car. This is full. This is two weeks of fuel so for me. cheap. Yeah, I know. I mean, mine lasts for like six weeks because it's a hybrid, but still it costs like 70 to two yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, I'm I can guess know, where standing this is going. there, <laughs> you know, turning it on. I open the passenger side door. I've got like a laptop, books, handbag, everything. I... Empty it completely, and I've forgotten oh, no. my wallet. Oh, I my left God. it on the kitchen table after I repacked my bag. <gasps> what did you do? Well, I went inside, um, into the you know the shop um, at the petrol station, and the girl was on the phone. Um, and then she got off, and she's like, "Oh, sorry," and I was like, "I'm sorry, I forgot my wallet." <laughs> Um, and obviously I understand there's a protocol. I was like, I swear to God, I live just around the corner. I'll go and get it. I was like, do you want to take my number, Rego? Like what? <laughs> um, and she was like, yep, they actually had a form. I filled oh, out the cool. form. Um, and she said that she has to take like my phone or my car keys or something. I was like, well, I need to drive home. Here's my phone. Why would they take what? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't make sense to take the car keys. Yeah, I know. Anyway. Anyway. So she took my phone. <laughs> Oh my God. I then get in the car and go to drive back to my house to get my wallet. Um, and obviously because the shop lady has my phone, it Bluetooth didn't connect in my car to the podcast I was listening to. So I go, oh, I wonder if I've got like a CD or a radio or something in here. So I switch. And what song is on? Getaway Car by Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like laughing and singing along and I get home run upstairs, get my wallet, come back down, go back around. Because also, you know, it's after – we live in Rockhampton. It's after work. There was like half an hour until the petrol station closed. Yeah. So I get back there. I walk in. I'm holding my card. I'm like, hi, I'm back. <laughs> I didn't run away. And then, oh, the poor thing. She, like, opens, like, two or three draw drawers to get my phone out. And I'm like, you know, it's just one of those things where you do the top one first. Like, she didn't lose it. But I was like, where's my phone? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and she handed me back my phone. I paid for the petrol and then left. And the worst thing about that story is that that is the second time that has happened to me in the past four months. What? Yeah, I also did the same thing at, like, the end of June at a different petrol station. Did they have a form for you to fill out? No, she just wrote my number, rego, and full name. Oh, my god! And email address, I think. Because if you don't go back and pay within 24 hours, it's a $150 fine plus whatever amount you owe them. Oh, my gosh. Mm. 
But I was just like, I can't believe I've done this again. Like, I don't know how I forget my wallet. Uh, like, it's also illegal to drive without your license. So. Um, is it? I don't know. Maybe I think it is Maybe. when you're. I think it is when you're a pee player. Oh, yeah. You are a pee player. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on the tail end of it, but yeah. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but anyway. You know, it's not illegal to drive without shoes in Queensland. Really? Yeah, you can drive without shoes. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. which I do a lot of the time because if I've got thongs on or whatever, like hello, you're not going to drive in thongs. Yeah, no, it's worse. Yeah, yeah, but it's not illegal here. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Maybe it's because it's Queensland, and you know we're all bogans and stuff. Mm, probably. <laughs> oh. I wish I could say that that's like. Not something I would ever do, but it's totally... Have you done that before? I've No, I've not done that. Um, an example of my current mental state, the other day I, A, nearly had a breakdown, like literally was having a breakdown because I couldn't find my notebook for uni. Mm. Um, and then on the tail end of that, I was like, right, well, now I've got to get ready for work and I, I've just got no time. I'll just have a really quick shower. Don't have any time to wash my hair. What do I do? take my hair out, don't even realise that, like, I'm turning round, started to tilt my head back and got it all wet. And then I was like, shit, I wasn't meant to do this. Shit, <laughs> and then I was going to get ready. I was get ready for work and I've got 15 minutes to dry my hair. And I was just like, why, why would you? And I was, like, literally in the shower just being like, why would you do this? Yeah. Like, it just, it was just one of those days. So I think it, it's it funny really if you're, is. like, slightly stressed, you forget that stuff. You do, and it's... The, I mean, the shower thing especially is autopilot. You remember my story from after beef week, right, where I was crying, like, laughing hysterically and no one probably even understood the story when I told it on the podcast. Yeah, I think so. I shampooed my hair. Oh, you hair. shampooed your hair, yeah. And then when I went to get conditioner, I did shampoo again, so then I just That's shampooed right. it again. That's right. And it wasn't even that dirty. Um, It's like when you go to drive to – like, I've gone to drive to work before or – was it with you that I went to drive and I had went over the wrong bridge? Because I was just like, I'm going to work. And then you were like, yeah, weren't we meant to turn back there? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, autopilot. Yeah, you just don't Ooh. even think. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> well, that's my fun story. Um, what have you been consuming? <sighs> well, okay, so I worked this weekend and I just am – as suggested before, I'm, I'm really, yeah. I'm so tired. I'm so over it. I'm just ready to quit everything and move to Mexico. Um, move but to Mexico. You wouldn't quit everything and move to Mexico. You'd quit everything and move to London. I mean, true. But probably anyway, it just sounded good. Okay. <laughs> um, so the only good thing about working this weekend is that I was doing photography and you don't really have to pay attention to the sport. So... I just whacked an audiobook on and didn't listen to it because I'm not going to interact with people. I'm just taking photos. Like, don't talk to me, which, yep. I mean, they don't. Um, so I had to go to, this is my Saturday, swimming, um, AFL, mm-hmm. briefly, because then I had to go to the hockey, then women's basketball game, back over the other side of town to the soccer, and then back over the other side of town to the men's basketball game, and then at 9pm, just as I was finishing my shift, I could hear on, like, the police scanner some people frantically talking. And I was like, oh, this doesn't sound good. And I could hear things like, um, like, all clear. And I could hear them, you can tell when they're running and talking into the radios. And um, I could hear them being like, you know, all people out. And I was like, oh, God, this sounds like a fire. And I was like, oh, I 
I can't leave. Like, I can't just leave work. It's just not what you do. Any other journalist will understand. You, you just can't leave. And so I rang the fireys really quickly and I was like, hi, can you just tell me, is there a structure fire in Rockhampton? Because sometimes, like, our signals pick up Mackay and Gladstone too, mm-hmm. which, if you're not familiar, there's like, five hours between Mackay and Rockhampton and like an hour and a half between Rockhampton and Gladstone. So, so if there's a fire there, huge, Michelle can leave work. Yeah, it's yeah. a huge, so I was like, please be somewhere else, please be somewhere else. I had heard the suburb that I live in mentioned, so I was a bit like, oh, please don't. Anyway, it turned out it was actually just, it was a fire in a business just down the road from us. Mm. Um, so anyway, I, I grabbed like, I grabbed the silly, I grabbed the work car, which would mean I would have to come back and get my car later. Um, so grab the work car, grab my laptop, grab my two nearly dead phones because Caitlin, you know, my habit of, um, she lets her phones run out until nothing, which is insane because what if you need them? So like I took them both, they're probably both on like 10%. Anyway, I get down there. Um, and like the fire is still going on, but it wasn't, I mean, the buildings weren't totally burned down they were very badly damaged inside but the fire is contained it anyway mm. I ended up like sitting on the road because they blocked off the street I ended up sitting on the road like typing out my story using the hotspot to upload it like proper on the go journalist stuff it was great but that meant I didn't finish work till eleven thirty. the only plus side was I listened to nearly a whole audiobook during my shift and it was called The One Who Got Away by Caroline Overington and it was a bit of a like meh book for me mm. but I really I enjoyed it as an audiobook but I'm glad I borrowed it from the library like I probably wouldn't I don't think I would have stuck with it if I was reading it but because I was having such a busy day and I'm like that's eh, interesting enough to keep going Do yeah to just like listen that? just like one day yeah, yeah interesting enough to just just kind of keep going and then you finish it and then yeah. and maybe like, you don't it's another one pressed off my list yeah exactly like I was mildly interested in it and I was like yeah I mean it's 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 not enough to hate it and stop. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not interested enough to be like. I think I'm gonna love that. I'm gonna wait and get the book version. I was like, yeah. I'll just listen to the audio book because um, I do miss some things. Like you don't get full comprehension. Yeah, but it was it was quite good, and and that kind of spurred me into um, getting more audio books. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next day. I was processing all my photos and I started listening to another book, which is called The Secret She Keeps by Michael Robertham. Yeah, Robotham. Or Robotham. Robotham? I don't know. kind of better. Um, anyway, I started listening to that and I love that the, it's British, so the audiobook is British, so I'm quite oh, liking that because I found the American accents annoying for the one mm. who got away. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the only positive of, of being the sports photographer for the weekend, I guess, is that you just, like, get out there and shoot. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Listen to my <laughs> audiobook. It was excellent. That's Didn't great. have to interact with people. It was so good. <laughs> It's awesome. Yeah. You know what I've been loving listening to lately? What's that? I've started listening to Deadly Manners, which is a story podcast. That's the Kristen Bell one. Which Kristen Bell is in. Yeah. So I remember. Is that on iTunes now? It is. Because oh. you remember, I swear we talked about this yeah, we when did. it first came out, mm. like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, for some reason, thought of it the other day and looked it up again because it wasn't originally released on Apple Podcasts. It was. I don't know, released on something else. I'm literally going to subscribe as we're talking yeah, about this. I am really enjoying it. I'm, I only started the other day. 
Um, and I want to listen to it like in one sitting, like each episode in one sitting, kind of like a chapter. So, so that you can keep up with the keep story. Keep up with the story, yeah. So I am about to start chapter three, um, but I really, really like it. Actually, speaking of Kristen Bell, mm-hmm. Jack and I have been watching The Good Place for a little while. Now, he wasn't so sold on it at first, but we just hit the end of near the end of season one and it was a turning point and we were both just like <gasps> and if yeah. you've watched it you'll know what we're talking about so um so now we're obsessed with it um but our shifts mean that we don't really spend any time together this week so we won't really get to watch it for a few more days <laughs> and all I want to do is watch it it's so good yeah. I love it I yeah I'm so I love it so much it's really good that's awesome it's you know amazing. actually another one that maybe you could watch while Jack is working on all these night shifts, is I've been watching Good Girls on Netflix. I've got that on my list to watch. I, I think you will get out of it. it. Yeah, so these um, – Mae Whitman is one of them. I don't remember the others' names. I love her on Parenthood. Yeah. So these, like, three mothers, um, two of them are sisters, um, and they're friends, and they just kind of get accidentally sucked into, like, a full life of crime with, like, it a gang. It sounded awesome. like – I mean, I love the trailer, but it sounded a bit like – I had a bad mum's vibe. A little. A little? No, more more crime. It's oh, not, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's more I'm so on that. Show. Yeah. You know I love so that. So both, really, <laughs> for you. Yeah. Um, I'm still watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, too. Oh, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I'm, I'm enjoying that. So good. Oh, oh man. Okay. Yeah. So that was... um. Thanks Some to, crazy stories. So not really telling you much of what we read or listened to, but um, there's an insight into our lives. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? Um, a book we've both recently finished reading is by the author that we're about to interview. So, And actually the stories we've just told probably work in really well yeah. <laughs> with the, the interview you're about <laughs> to listen to. I didn't actually to. think of that either. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I hope you really enjoyed this episode. We really enjoyed talking to Nikki and really enjoyed reading her book. Um, We have had a couple of technical issues, so I do apologise if at times um, she or we are a little bit quiet or maybe there's a little bit of crackling. Um, I've edited it as best as I can. You have no idea what we've been through. (laughs) We've had so many technical issues the past, like, week. I don't even know, Mm. but... Um, we're working on it and hopefully... Please bear with us. You know what? Sometimes we can't control the fact that the NBN really isn't as good as, as everyone what it's meant it. to be. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we try our best, but we are recording on the internet from regional Queensland, so mm-hmm. it can be a bit tricky sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, um, we hope you really enjoyed this episode. This week we're joined by a writer, mother and former rock groupie. She's done every job from TV acting to legal counselling to checkout chick and cleaner. Her first memoir manuscript was shortlisted for the Queensland Premier's Literary Award in the Emerging Writer category and was published in 2012. She has since written two young adult novels, Sandy Feet and Hexen House, with more on the way. In July, her second memoir, Madness, Mayhem and Motherhood, was released by the University of Queensland Press, and it's one we've both really enjoyed reading, even though we don't have kids. <laughs> Welcome to Better Words, Nikki McWaters. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be talking to you. Um, I guess the best place to start, um, especially if people haven't picked up your book yet, is to tell us about your writing journey and how you got into all of this. All of the writing or this particular book? 
um, you know what, we've got time, so let's do all of the writing. <laughs> well, it all, it's all much of a muchness. Um, I've always wanted to be a writer since I was a really little girl. I used to always be that girl in the corner scribbling into her journal, writing stories and plays and, and whatnot. But um, I, it stayed at journal level uh, right up until 2010. So I was sort of late in life that I actually decided to put it in front of someone else and say, what do you think? And that's when I got to the Living Sound Prayers Literary Award. So I thought that was a good sign. So <laughs> I decided to throw my law degree into the bottom drawer and become a full-time writer. Excellent. Um, wow. That must have been a very interesting step to take um, and a big decision. It was. It was one that most of my family didn't particularly endorse <laughs> because, you know, a law degree, I had actually worked very hard for that. But at the same time, I, it, my heart wasn't in it and I had no passion for it. And I got to a place in my life, having been through depression and, and various other not so great journeys, that I decided life is too short to not spend my time doing what I love. Absolutely. And so I decided to be a writer and if I didn't ever make any money out of it, I didn't really care. My husband <laughs> didn't <laughs> look at me the same way. But he's supporting me well and he's my greatest fan, so that's great. Oh, I totally agree. Like you need to to follow your passions and hopefully some so enough money to live on anyway comes out of it. Um, oh, I'm not wanting to be J.K. Rowling. I, I lie. I am so. <laughs> but um, really, you know, I do it because I love it. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's the best way to go into anything, I think. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Um, so winning that award um, – it, like you said, kind of a bit of a confirmation that you were doing the right thing. But like I know a lot of writers, especially before they get a book published, are, you know, quite doubting of themselves and their abilities. Did it, it help with that at all? Uh, momentarily. Uh, and I think that's the thing. <laughs> I, I was talking to another writer the other day and you spend most of your time living with self-doubt. You really do because it's quite an insular and isolated uh, practice being a writer so you're not constantly getting feedback or backpats and it's so personal you're pouring your heart and soul onto the page so you feel quite vulnerable about it mm. uh, and I suppose you know there is that terror all the time and when you do get a shortlisting or a win or a publishing deal or even just great feedback you do initially f feel that buzz of adrenaline oh it's not all complete crap. It's, you know, there might be something here that's worth something. But then, you know, it, it doesn't last long mm -hmm. because the next time you submit something, you might get a rejection and you're just back to square one. And every work is different and every book is different. And so you really feel like you're setting up the baby steps each and every project that you do. Yeah, you kind of have to start back at square one. Writing fiction and writing nonfiction, is, is, there, is there much of a difference? A huge difference, absolutely. Writing fiction is a lot of fun. It really is. You're playing with people, you're creating characters, uh, you can have adventures, you can travel the world, all that sort of thing, and it's it's all in your imagination. Whereas writing memoir and, and nonfiction, you really have to be brutally honest and that isn't always comfortable. And I particularly found this this book, Madness, Mayhem and Motherhood, difficult because it was terrain that wasn't easy and I had to go over some tough times in my life and relive them to put them on the page but there were some fun times too and they were kind of fun to relive but ultimately uh you it's a much rawer experience writing your own truth um yeah, I'm, I'm sure. actually I'm quite interested in in that how do you decide what you should include and do you did you censor anything at all that you thought I just can't go there 
Yeah, someone asked me that one day and my husband laughed and said, you censor anything? But um, no, you do, obviously, because it was it spanned 10 years of my life. If you wrote everything, well, that would be a very long book. But yeah, yeah I suppose they were key pivotal snapshot moments from my life that changed things, I suppose, more than anything. You know, something that stuck with me for a reason and possibly changed my direction in life ever so slightly. Uh, there were during the editing process with your editor, you know, more stuff gets hacked out along the way because you need to be telling a particular story. Like in my first book, One Way or Another, it was, yes, that mm. memoir of the teenage groupie. And I remember, you know, it was my first book. I was very green. I wasn't sure what I was doing. But one particular scene had a, a, a school boyfriend killed in a car crash. And basically my editor was ruthless and it was like, was he a rock star? No. Well, he's out. And I'm like, oh. Oh no, that's just so ruthless. But wow. but at the end of the day, it would have been a snag, you know. As a reader, you would read a story that's rollicking through sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and then you you know it wasn't part of that story, even though it was part of my story. With a memoir, you have to have a theme, I guess, basically. Otherwise, you're just ramble. And with madness, mayhem, and motherhood, I guess we were focusing on those three M's, yeah. which was my mental health, yeah. my slightly crazy behaviour sometimes, and the fact that I was a mother so there were a lot of things in there that didn't fall into those categories so they didn't make it so to speak um and, and I certainly had condensed time in some places too which is how would people know you and they read it and they go hey I know that you did this how come that's not in there and it's like well you know couldn't put everything in there and I suppose that's friends too who go where where am I and it was like oh sorry you just didn't make the grade <laughs> this time <laughs> no, I yeah, like how you added this time. Yeah, you're not interesting <laughs> enough to be in the story. Sorry. Yeah, I have actually looked at books of people that I've known, like relatively famous people, and gone through the index at the back to see I'm there, <laughs> and never found myself. Actually, oh. I know Caitlin was keen to ask this as well about <laughs> Cold Chisel. The <laughs> ah, first person, can you believe it? Done all these interviews and no one's brought it up. They're all like, really? A dance around um, all my friends. Oh my oh, goodness! No, Caitlin it was, was like to- one of the first notes I wrote down. Yeah, it was like, um, well, yeah. I need to know. Um, are there names dropped in one way or another, or is it just kind of hinted? Oh, there are a lot more names in there, but for significant characters, I gave them nicknames, but they were so bad that it was really obvious who they were. <laughs> oh, I can tell. Also, Caitlin's going to read this. No, <laughs> I. I mean, because I haven't read your other book yet, I, you know, by the time I finished Madness, Mayhem and Motherhood, I I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I was like, I guess I could see that this was one side of the story and there are parts of that novel that do, I guess, allude to the time before and other elements of your story. And I'm like, I want to know more. I'm going to read her other book. <laughs> I need to dig deeper. Um, actually, like I am interested to know, though, writing one way or another versus writing Madness, Mayhem and Motherhood. What were some of the key differences that you noticed in the in the writing process? Well, I suppose there's about eight years between the books and one way or another was my first book. Mm. So I, I wasn't really sure at that stage how to write a book, I guess. I'd read thousands of them, but just sitting down and writing that many words, one after the other, <laughs> trying to have some sort of storyline and arc when it really is just random bits of your life. Um, I actually enjoyed writing that because I had two little children at home, both toddlers, so I was going out of my mind. I was also studying law at that time and also mm-hmm. going out of my mind over that. And I really needed a bit of an escape. 
and I decided I wanted to write a book and it was my husband who said, why don't you write that story because that is so interesting. And I went, oh, I couldn't. My mother would kill me. But I wrote it anyway and I had so much fun reliving it <laughs> that I feel like I took a decade off my life. At the end of it I dyed my hair pink and, and felt like I was a teenager again. And when I got shortlisted and they rang me up, I was actually with my mother in the park <laughs> and my husband and I told him and he went, you're in trouble now <laughs> <laughs> because the music ended up being a published book. And to this day she hasn't read it, so um, I'm safe. Sorry, she hasn't read no, it. You just kind of- My sister sat down and said, you may not read this. You'll, you'll not cope at all. <laughs> <laughs> or has she read Madness, Mayhem and Motherhood? Uh, probably not at this stage because I don't, I don't think my family likes reading my memoirs, to be honest, because I'm a bit of an oversharer mm. and they're not. And <laughs> they're a bit like, oh, my God, she's gone and aired all this dirty laundry again. You know, they're very private people, so they just sort of, they read the fiction. That's easier for them. I do go out of my way to be very kind (laughs) and generous with all the people that I talk about in my books um, because it is really hard to talk about Mm -hmm. real people when you write a book who are private people. So the only person I really give a hard time in my memoirs is myself. Mm. Yeah, well, I guess you have your permission for that, don't you? (laughs) That's right, I can't sue myself. Yeah. And if I did, I've got a law degree, so I could. <laughs> you could, if you wanted to. Um, we we asked Carly Finlay this when we had her on and she was in the process of writing her first drafts mm-hmm. and stuff for her memoir, Say Hello. Um, did you approach anyone and say, hey, like I'm going to include you in my book, do you want to read it or do you just kind of wait and see what happens? How do you deal with that? Did you have that? anyone who specifically said, don't write about me? <laughs> you know what? They're not allowed to. You can't say, don't write about me. You can say, don't write mm-hmm. some particular private thing about me. But it's a case of if you know a writer, that's how luck. You, you may be in their book, but you just have to be nice to them and hope they say nice things. But you know, I can't say this is my memoir and leave out the, you know, the fact that I've got parents and, and brothers and sisters, but I just don't have to talk about them, so to speak, you know what I mean? But um, in the first book, the only person, I think the only mm. person I ran it by was, oh, now I can't say it because he told me to take his surname out and I did, so I, that's really silly. But he was um, related to a fairly famous rock star, let's just say that. Um, but because I've used <laughs> the pseudonyms and ultimately everyone basically knew who they were okay. and I've spoken to mm-hmm. the people, some of the people who were characters in the book since then and they just thought it was funny, really. But I think they wouldn't have thought it was funny if I'd said their actual name. But in Madness, no. I suppose I could ring up uh, Hot Chisel and invite him out for coffee, couldn't I? <laughs> I was just going to ask, have you told Hot Chisel? <laughs> I don't think my husband would like me doing that somehow. Um, I wonder if he'll ever read it or his wife. That would be pretty funny. Yeah, that is funny. I, I want to know now. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, oh, gosh. Um, I really am liking the way that you obviously, you know, we're discussing your memoirs and you we're talking about whether or not real people like it or whatever, but that you keep referring to them as characters because I did really feel like while I was reading it, I kept having to remind myself that this was a memoir and that, you know, these are real stories and real people because it reads so beautifully like oh, fiction. Well, I have a, I know this sounds a little, I don't know, not really. I do have quite a photographic memory so I do actually remember exact conversations and things like that that I've had with people 
uh, which is a good thing for a writer, but not necessarily good for them. But I'm actually still friends with a lot of the people who were in Madness, Mayhem and Motherhood. And when I had my launch recently, I actually had a couple of those old friends there. So that was really beautiful. And I've also got um, many, many journals from those times. So that helped to paint the picture, I think, with more colour and more um, vitality rather than relying just on memory where you may have lost some of those details. I had a lot of it with my journals and, as I said, friends were still there. And they read early copies and said, oh, I remember it slightly differently, but that's because everyone remembers the same things differently. It not necessarily one's not right and one's not wrong. We just looked at things through different eyes. So it's interesting because they might write a memoir of and include me in it one day and it might sound really different, but you don't know. And I suppose my children too yeah. who lived through that time with me would perhaps remember all of those years very differently as well. Have yeah. they read the book? Um, my eldest has read it and he actually put something up the other day on Instagram and said how proud he was of me, which really meant so much to me. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and he read one way or another too, which <laughs> I wasn't sure whether he should, but he again, he said, I'm so proud of you, so... Uh, that's pretty good. My, I've got a 14-year-old daughter who wants to read one way or another and I said, no. <laughs> How old do I have to be? And I went, about 30. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Got to wait a bit longer, honey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, she's 14 and, and it's the story of me running amok as a teenager, so I don't think I wanted to read it now or she'll be like, you did it, so I should be allowed to do it. Yeah, you don't, you don't need the ammunition. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> no, no, I don't even have a copy in the house. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, probably a smart idea because all teenage yeah. girls use that exact same excuse. Mm-hmm. Well, you, I know that you did this, Mum. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really interested, though. Like, like you said before, this this was a very different book to write. Um, mm. Touched on a lot more difficult parts of your life. Um, why did you want to tell this story in particular, though? Um, I think one of the reasons is I started writing it some years ago, and then I. And my agent actually liked it. And then at the last minute I said, you know what, don't give it to anyone. I don't want this to become a book. It's too personal. But then I started writing for a few publications mm-hmm. and and seeing things that went on in um, the, the, the media, cutting down welfare for single mums and that sort of thing. It really made me quite angry. So I went out of my way to write, oh, that dog is going crazy, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I, like I went out of my way to write pieces to try and, you know, shine a light on the plight that single mums have and, and try and lift the awareness that they're not sitting around drinking cask wine, unless they are sometimes, but they're not sitting around not trying to get work and just angling to try and get some new daddy. I mean, there's that horrible scummy mummy image that so many people have and it's so unfair. And I wanted to write a book that, A, would speak to women who were perhaps going through similar sort of situation because there are over a million single mums in Australia. So it's not some isolated, weird minority problem. It is a reality for many women and many, many children. And I also wanted it to be a book that showed people who didn't have any understanding of the struggle and particularly the mental health aspects as well, that until you've been there, you can't really judge. And so at the same time, I wanted to give hope and a bit of fun, you know, like people can read that you can be poor and you can be miserable and you can be depressed, but sometimes you can actually be poor and have fun. Yeah, definitely. And I think some of those, I mean, some of those funny stories 
like stories I think of your eldest son starting school I mean there were just so many like that that's like this is such a a real thing that so many other women would go through and then there's all the funny stories like you know there was different times when you went to the beach with other friends or like the gravy cake oh yes that was hilarious (laughs) well I'm not a great cook at the best of times but that was my that was for so long that's like the worst of the worst that was the worst of the worst and (laughs) yeah well great box pack really does look like a cocoa packet like they're both orange (laughs) it's an easy mistake to make I swear but um it really is it doesn't doesn't do anything for a cake to make it with grey vox it's pretty no oh I can't imagine like Rachel's trifle in friends oh yeah (laughs) I once poured almost a whole jar of oregano into spaghetti sauce when I was in year 11 home ec oh my god I've done similar sorts of things yeah um yeah that that could be a book in itself my mistakes in the kitchen um, the, I mean, I, one of the other ones was the McDonald's party. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I loved reading that because I actually had my fifth birthday at McDonald's. Um, yes. I mean, granted, it was in like 2000, but. Um, do you remember it? I, I do not remember it at all. We have a plate. We had used to have like a plastic plate that like McDonald's gave me for my birthday. And like, you know, I used to just think it was so cool. Even as I sort of grew up, I was like, yeah, I had a McDonald's party. So yeah, awesome. Yeah. And reading that, I was like, I need to remember to ask my mum about this. Like, yes. was it an absolute like, nightmare? <laughs> well, she might not be able to speak of it. She might have had to have therapy. She might have blocked it out. I'm not sure. <laughs> because my, my daughter now works at McDonald's and um, I actually read her that chapter to say be aware that when you have parties it can be hell. And so yeah. She's warned. <laughs> good. I think that's a good lesson. <laughs> um, I guess that's the thing though, like we're not mothers um, but we obviously found a lot in your book that we could relate to. Were you considering that it would be a book for more than just mums or, or were you like, oh, well, that it, that's a happy side effect if it, if other people like it too? Yeah. Well, I think like Hexen House, my young adult book, I wrote that. I didn't even write that as a young adult book. I wrote that as a book for me, you know, for anyone else to read it. So to label categorised book, I, I don't like doing that because that limits its audience. And when I write a book, it's for anybody and everybody, except in some cases my children. But um for sure, like it's a story of a person. It's really just it's the story of a woman. The fact that she's got children is part of it. But you know that book. I was only twenty six when it started. I was so young, and I have to look back at that because I often read back and go, "Oh, why did you do that? That was a stupid thing to do. That was a stupid thing to do." And I go, "I was twenty six on my own with two little kids, and I felt like I was a rat in a maze. I didn't know what I was doing half the time." And so I have to cut myself some slack there. But ultimately. I've read memoirs of people who circumnavigated the globe and it's like, I'm not a sailor, but I still find it interesting. So I think memoirs aren't specifically just for the people that can relate to the actual mm-hmm. person doing the telling. It's, um, you know, it's just a story of a person who could be anyone you know, your sister, your mum, your best friend, whatever. Exactly. And, I mean, that's the best thing. That's why, I mean, most people, I know I do, like really enjoy reading memoirs and just learning mm-hmm. about other people and other people's experiences and you know yes sometimes they are people we already admire you know like your celebrity comedians and that sort or sports stars or whoever and um sometimes you just happen to read one and it's a, just a story of a really fantastic woman <laughs> I think she's talking about you Nikki. yes I am <laughs> <laughs> a fantastic woman oh that's so sweet 
We'd love to talk a little bit about your fiction writing as well. You mentioned Hexen House there. Um, tell us a little bit about that because I know that, that that world is expanding a little bit as well with your next few books. Yeah, that's right. Um, Hexen House is a book that I've always wanted to write since I was a teenager because I was obsessed with witches. Um, and the whole witch hunt era fascinated me. And I thought one day I'm going to write a book about that. And so I did. And I drew three stories two that were based in historical fact, um, one in Germany and one in Scotland, two women who were accused of witchcraft, and I tied, tied it to a, um, a contemporary story about a small town where gossip and innuendo became a bit of a witch hunt in itself. But I wanted to write that story and tie it to what was going on in the world today because, you know, the, the problem is with witch hunts and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. history repeats itself unless we learn from it. And I was talking to teenagers about this and they were saying, well, at least that will never happen again. And I said, but look at the Holocaust during the war. That was the same thing. And I said, look at Islamophobia and, you know, refusing to let certain people come into community. That's the same thing again. Um, The racism, rampant Mm -hmm. racism and and labelling certain (laughs) groups as troublemakers, it's the same thing. It's, It's happening again and we need to be aware that we don't get caught up in that mass hysteria. I've now got um, Liberty coming out in a couple of months, which is a story of three warrior girls. Mm-hmm. So there's battles and there's girls kicking ass and they really are good girls. There's one from France in the 1400s who defends her city and rallies an army of women and that's based on a true story. And we've got another girl who's it's set in Ireland during the Irish Re- Revolution or rebellion that um, wasn't ultimately successful because the English is still there. But that was... Betsy Gray, she's an amazing character from history. And these two girls are teenagers who just really had such strength of character and purpose. And I married that with a contemporary-ish story of a young woman going to university for the first time in the 60s during the protest movement. So it's three women fighting different things, you know, fighting against sexism, colonialism, racism, and against war. That sounds exactly like our type of yep. book. Yep, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Great. Yeah. <laughs> one, of them, one of them wields her two little signature axes and she flings them about. So it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. Ooh, <laughs> I like the sound <laughs> of that. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's adventures and, and um, war and drama and bloodshed and romance and it's got everything. <laughs> Um, I, I'm assuming then that, you know, the writing for that and the editing of Madness, Mayhem and Motherhood do, sort of all would have overlapped given they're coming out in the same year. How did you deal with jumping backwards and forwards between those two projects? I'm glad I had them both really because um, with the Madness book, going over your real story and going over your real life is interesting. It's a little bit self-absorbed sometimes. And sometimes you really need to step away and to be able to step into a world that was so full of adventure and excitement took me away from all that. It was very easy to shut one door and go into the other because they were so, so different. But it was like to be so busy um, writing and having two books coming out within the space of a few months. Get a publishing deal. It's from the, the time that someone says yes to it hitting the shelf is about a year. So it's a long process of editing and finding covers and cover quotes and there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that people don't realise. So when it takes a whole year to produce a book, you know, I'm patient. I'm really impatient. And to be a writer and be impatient is not a good thing. 
Uh, I'm always writing. I write maybe three or four books a year. They can't keep up with me. I've got a backlog you wouldn't believe. But <laughs> they'll be publishing me for the next thousand years at that rate. But uh, I've got the third book in that Hexen House, we call it the Sister Saga trilogy, coming out in July next year. So you have quite a lot of quite a lot of speed in your writing and projects on the go. I do. I, I am lucky because I write full time. So many of my writer friends have day jobs that they've got to work around. I do have a lot of kids that makes it a little bit difficult. But I do I do write really fast in that once I've got a story in my head, I have to just get it out as quickly as possible or I actually lose interest. I'm really <laughs> yeah. and impatient. So if I've got a story, I don't tell anyone the story. I just sit down and I try to write it in one burst, you know, if it takes a month or something, a couple of weeks even, and then I go back and edit and polish it up and that sort of thing. But I, it's really important to me to bang it out as quickly as possible in whatever rough form that might be. It's mm. a really interesting writing process. Yeah. I don't know if we've heard anyone um, talk about their writing that way before. Well, yeah, I'm I'm different and, and a lot of people I know say I have to know what's, what the ending is, you know, the story arc before I start. Yeah, like plot it out. Yeah. I don't have any plotting at all. I have a title. I always get the title first and then I have in my fiction key characters. I get the key characters I sit down and I just let them tell the story. And I know it sounds weird, but so often I'll be writing and just go, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened. That's so amazing. It's it's as much a surprise to me <laughs> as it comes out on the page as it is to a reader who's reading it for the first time. Wow. I love that. That's amazing. You obviously have a, a real knack for it and a real talent because not many people can do that. <laughs> well, I do write many books that just end up in <laughs> because I, I <laughs> Practice well, I makes know, perfect, and I love, I love crime thrillers and I did the law degree so I thought oh, I might use that in a crime thriller and then I did but then I got three quarters of the way through and I realised I had no idea who did it and none of the, the leads tied up and I just thought I'm just floating off in the ether now, it makes no sense whatsoever. So I had to get rid of that. So I think for a crime thriller you really do have to have a bit of a plot and, and some idea where mm. it's going. <laughs> maybe maybe another try. Um, <laughs> It sounds like, though, obviously, like I'm fascinated by historical fiction. Did you do a lot of research um, to kind of find out? As I wrote it. As I wrote it. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I found the characters and I went, okay, let's start putting some skin on them and and start writing them. And then I'll do things like she is wearing and then I go zip to the internet and have a look at what they would be wearing back then. You know, and so every sentence I would go and look up what had to be done. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even yeah. ever write, like, essays that way in high school. Yeah. Like, I would research for two weeks and then write the whole thing the night before. Yeah, I think I used yeah. to do that at, at high school yeah. too. Um, but this just seems to work for me because if I do all the research, I think I'll get bogged down in the research and I'll forget that I'm writing a book mm. and I'll never get back to it. Well, like you so said, I, you kind of lose interest in the project then and, and yeah. you don't well, get I to fully Well, if I research, I'd know everything and then I'd lose the impetus to write the book, I guess. So I'm, I'm doing yeah. the third book now and we're starting off uh, with a Viking girl and so I'm zipping back and forth, writing, learning everything about Vikings because I'm one of those weird people who never watched the Vikings show on TV. <laughs> And I don't even watch and never have the Game of Thrones. Is that like a terrible crime? No, no I've, ne- I've never watched it either. I didn't watch it until like last year. The six seasons were already out by the time I started watching it. So, and I can't, I don't think I finished it. No, I Oops. don't watch TV at all. No, I'm too busy writing stories. I haven't got time to 
watch other people's stories. Yeah, it's I mean, probably- like it, it sounds like you you are very busy writing. Yes. So I don't I don't blame you for not watching TV. Well, no, I'm, I'm actually talking to my agent about trying to get a therma, and I can't believe I'm even saying that because it is a raw process, and you really, you know, you put yourself out there for all the slings and arrows. But I've just got the best title. It's called Fifty Shades of Grandma. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, a memoir growing old but feeling like a teenager on the inside. Yeah. Are you actually a grandma now? I am, only just. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, my eldest son had a little boy last year, so that was pretty exciting. Oh, that's amazing. Actually, oh, that's for people exciting. who have, you know, read the book Ooh. or um, maybe are planning to after this, can you give us a little bit of like a where are they now for your children? Not, I won't give too much away. but. Um, you know, the el- my eldest son, who you'd know, it, um, just his own home and has a little boy. And it's lovely to know that that whole struggle of poverty that I went through isn't some sort of wheel, you know, cycle that you can't break free from. Because he is the age that I was when I was flogging toilet paper for my dad, you know, because um, mm-hmm. I was so broke. So it's great to see them doing better than I was at their age, if you mm-hmm. know what I mean. And my next son's a crazy artist. He was always zany one in the book and he stayed zany he's super zany <laughs> and the little one harry is living at home still in the basement under the back stairs like harry potter <laughs> awesome and, and i've said to him he's 22 uh, when might you mo- think about moving out and he said never why would i and i went that's <laughs> that's <my story."> <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they're, they're, they're all doing very well oh that's wonderful that's wonderful and congratulations on being a grandma now too I all thought, hey, no hurry. You know, I've had all these children. I've got five children. I'm not in any hurry to be a grandma. But the second I knew about this, I was just beside myself. And I'm the really doty, crazy grandma. And I and I'm called Ninny. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So, um, I th- I think we've kind of we've covered yeah. a, an amazing array of stuff today. I love yes. it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for joining no, us, Nikki. You. I apologise again for some of these technical issues that we've had. Nikki, where can people find you if they want to follow you online and um, where can they find Madness, Mayhem and Motherhood? Well, I think Madness, Mayhem and Motherhood is, you'd say that, available in all good stores. But it's a mix and most of the independents and, of course, Booktopia and Book Depository and just about any bookstore, even if it doesn't stop, it can, can order it in. And you can reach me at NikkiMcWatersGmail.com or follow me at NikkiMcWaters on Twitter. And I think on Instagram is NikkiMcWatersAuthor. Wonderful. Caitlin, where can people find us? At BetterWordsPod, BetterWordsPodcast.com. And I feel like there's a third thing I should say. Sign up for our newsletter on our yeah, website. Yeah, something like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank things. you so much, Nikki. And everybody else, we'll see you next week. Bye.